Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you letting us be part of your day, and we hope you're having a good day. Be safe. Be well. Today, we're going to be talking about projections for ag income this year and into next year. Could be some real challenges going into next year as well. Some concerns growing there. We'll talk with Gary Schnitke, professor at the University of Illinois, about his outlook. John Newton, chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, joins us today as we take a look at the ever-growing impact of COVID-19 on U.S. agriculture. We'll get the very latest. And what's the latest on this year's Farm Progress Show set for Boone, Iowa, September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd? We'll get the very latest from National Show's Director for Farm Progress, Matt Youngman, later in today's program. But earlier this week, on Tuesday of this week, sign-up started for CFAP, the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. And to give us an update on that, very happy to have with us Richard Fordyce, who is the Administrator of the Farm Service Agency. Richard, I know you're busy. You stepped out of a meeting for us. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Mike. It's always good to be with you. Okay, let's talk about we're just a couple days into the sign-up for CFAP. We've heard some uh, problems, maybe some uh, issues at some county offices. To be expected, a major program rolling out uh, kind of, uh, you know, suddenly like this or pretty quickly, so you had, didn't have a whole lot of time to get ready for it. What can you tell us about how sign-up is going so far? Well, I think, you know, um, as you can imagine, you know, folks were really anticipating um, the opportunity to apply uh, after the secretary's announcement, I guess, would have been, what, a week and a half ago. Um, and so, uh, and there was a lot of, certainly a lot of conversation around it. Again, a lot of anticipation. Um, and we have seen, you know, overwhelming response. Uh, you know, I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't have the numbers in front of me, but but um, significant interest um, and honestly significant progress made just in uh, just in two days of sign up, and, and we anticipate that to to be the case for for you know quite a while as we work through you know all of the producers that are going to come. Um, well, I was going to say come into the office, which they're not doing um, physically right now, but uh, but certainly engaging with our staff. Um, to participate in the in the CFAP program, we are not um, we are not seeing customers in person at this time. But but every office is open uh, via phone, uh, email, and and other communication uh, methods, and we, we're making progress. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, the first day we actually approved some applications and initiated the payment process on the very first day. Um, and one of the one of the things that we have done um, for the CFAP program, really for two reasons: one, the anticipated uh, response from folks, and just the fact that um, you know that we're not seeing folks in person, is we stood up a call center, and <clears throat> that call center fielded over 1,500 calls on the first day. Um, and yesterday, the numbers were similar. Um, I don't know if it was quite that many. Um, but the call center is being a, is able to direct folks to um, to what to the county office that they need to need to work with, and this is more geared for our customers that we haven't typically seen, um, and also can kind of walk them through the application and answer questions. So, 
from a I think from an engagement standpoint, I think the agency uh, is is in a pretty good place. You do have people in this program that have not been in past programs. I think of livestock producers, for instance, for instance, not typically in a program like this. Uh, what challenges has that created, and what problems have you seen pop up here early on, or slowdowns, perhaps? Well, uh, let me say first that you know, in the design of this program, um, you know, I think what was paramount to us was to make the process pretty simple, um, you know, straightforward, not only from our producer's perspective, but also from our staff perspective. So, you know, a lot of the things that, um, you know, that maybe come with other programs, farm bill programs and others, um, you know, that, that had, that needed to be in place on the front end. So creating farm numbers and basically those farmers registering with our agency and, and, you know, creating the, creating that file, um, we are not doing that at this time. We are gathering some information, certainly, you know, from the producers, um, but it's not to the level that, that, that our agency typically, typically would do. Um, and I think that, you know, if there are challenges on, on the, uh, kind of on the front end, it, it is with those, as you mentioned, Mike, it is with those producers that haven't historically, you know, been customers of the Farm Service Agency. You mentioned livestock producers, also, I think, you know, a good bit of our specialty crop producers as well. Um, we did hold a webinar jointly with, with the Agricultural Marketing Service a couple of weeks ago, um, had nearly 10,000 producers on that call and stakeholder groups um, representing uh, farmers that, and farmers, and, but representing farmers that typically don't, don't interact with FSA as to how, to how to find an office, what are some of the things you're going to need um, to fill out the application, and kind of walking folks through uh, through what the process was going to be that that and it was also recorded so folks you know had access to that um, to that webinar so so on the front end prior to sign up I think we did um, you know did a good bit of outreach um, our external affairs folks were working um, to create some some producer toolkits and and uh, FAQ documents um, and so. Uh, we still are getting questions. There's no doubt about that. Um, but through the call center and through the county offices, I think we're I think we're managing it pretty well. Real quick, Richard, what do producers need to know about signing up if they haven't done so already? Where can they get more help or information? Well, obviously, I, w- I always like to drive folks to our farmers.gov website, and at farmers.gov/cfap, C-F-A-P, um, that's a great resource. Uh, lots of questions, uh, um, a, a frequently asked question document is on there. There's also just the policy around the program and the different categories. Um, and so producers in most cases are going to either need to know 19 production um, in the case of, of non-specialty crops, um, also sales numbers in the case of livestock, um, production numbers uh, for the first quarter um, in the case of dairy. And then also sales numbers, um, mainly in those livestock categories from January 15th to April 15th. Um, but it, the, the, the application is available on that farmers.gov slash CFAP and the producer calculator. Um, certainly would urge folks to go to that um, and, and play around with that calculator, look at the application, 
just by going through the application, that's going to answer a lot of questions or create or generate some questions uh, that folks will have. All right, Richard, thank you so much for your time and the update. We know you're just a couple days into this. We'll check back with you uh, as you get further into it and get further updates. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, that sounds good. Thanks, Mike. All right, Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator, with an update on sign up for CFAP, the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Up next, we're going to have some uh, farm income outlook for this year and into next year from University of Illinois' Gary Schnitke. That's next on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Happy to have with us Dr. Gary Schnitke, professor at the University of Illinois. Gary, good to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about projections for farm income this year and into next year. We we just last segment we were talking with uh, FSA administrator Richard Fordyce about sign up for CFAP, and certainly when you project farm income for this year, kind of like last year with MFP payments, that was a big part of it. Uh, government payments will be a big part of this year's farm income picture, won't it? Yes, it will, and. Um... We've got the first uh, CFAP payment uh, sign-up going on. That will obviously help with incomes in 2019, but we're still looking at much lower prices. So um, with just the CFAP that we're getting right now, we will still have be having very low incomes um, if prices stay at the levels that we're looking at. Yeah, and we don't know if there'll be more assistance yet this year or not. The some are saying there will be, but we wait and see what Congress will do there. But what are you projecting for farm income for 2020 right now? Yeah, so let me give you a feel for this. For be, then this would be an Illinois situation, and I'm going to do this on a per acre basis. In 2018, we came up with income being $104 per acre in 2018. In 2019, it was $6 per acre. So we saw a substantial fall, and that was after even uh, that, that $6 included the MFP payments and, and a couple other payment levels in there. So $6 for 2019. And given where we're at right now, we're looking at minus $2 for 2020. And that's based on a 325 corn price, 820 soybean price. And another round of CFAP payments of about eighty dollars. So what what we've seen so far plus another eighty dollars will get us to minus two dollars. So that's not not great. Obviously, it's about it's lower levels than in twenty nineteen after more aid in twenty twenty. Again, that's resulting because we have lower prices. We're um, of cash prices right now are near $3 for corn and near $8 for soybeans. And we're still, and in some cases, below $3 for corn. So we're we're looking for that to continue, maybe a slight increase into 2020 marketing year, but still low prices. Wow, minus $2 an acre, even with government payments. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, you think about it, we've, 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 uh, built into those budgets last year our average price for 2019 crop was 355 
before the COVID-19 happened, we were thinking that would be 385 for the 2019 crop. But the, you know that that fall in um, March has just really been had a large impact on 2019 crop and remaining sales. And now coming into 2020, we're looking at 325. Or that's the projections now. And if you look at futures contracts, you would be right at 325. Actually, maybe a little bit lower than that after you get the basis off. Um, but, um, yeah, so so those lower prices, and, again, what's pushing that is lower ethanol demand, um, probably reduced livestock demand as we look at the, the hog industry and beef industry and dairy industry all struggling. As we saw them, saw them, saw the processing plants go offline, um, We've seen those uh, industries, in particular the poultry and hog industry, having or reducing uh, livestock numbers, which will play out later into 2020 and maybe even to 2021. So all that's coming into play. We're talking with University of Illinois professor Dr. Gary Schnitke. Uh, of course, there could be a rally this year. We hope there will be for in prices, but uh, hard to really count on that when you're making a projection for this year. Yeah, so, you know, we're all hoping for a U-shaped recovery, and maybe that will happen, maybe it won't. Um, but, uh, you know, right now, where, where we're seeing a lot of the losses, or leading of the losses is corn, followed by soybeans. But corn, you know, the ethanol demand going down considerably, shutting down ethanol plants. And so now we need to see that uh, fuel demand, both oil and ethanol increase, and then we'll maybe get the ethanol demand and corn use and ethanol back up. But uh, you know, as we're extending, as as we're extending some of the COVID nineteen social distancing measures, and uh, and are looking at less travel in summer at least, probably even into fall, um, we're probably looking at lower fuel demand, and that will reduce ethanol. And again. The, the the livestock side, you can't be hopeful now. But uh, hopefully, having said that, you know, this is agriculture, and maybe this economy comes roaring back, and we get driving back to where it was pre-COVID, and we're all okay. But uh, I would make plans for a low-income year this year, and 2021 could be poor as well. Um, we would think that prices would begin to rebound in 2021, but probably not back to pre-COVID levels. So we even need another round of aid in 2021 or, you know, really think hard about cash rent decisions this fall and other things. So it is an uncertain time. Well, we'll make it through, but it is an uncertain time. Well, I was going to ask you about next year. So you're saying right now it doesn't, Based on what you see right now, it doesn't look a whole lot better for next year. So we are so so we are thinking prices are coming back, right? That the ethanol demand comes back and and livestock demand comes back, but with those, you're probably looking at uh, and just yeah, you know, we're way ahead of this. But 2021, that's a year and a half from now. If you're looking at those market year average prices, you're thinking mid threes for corn, mid eights for soybeans. And again, 
after this year, after the 2019 marketing year, there will be a large carryout. 2020, there could be a large carryout as well because we we haven't got the final plant numbers, but we probably planted near record corn acres and large soybean acres. So um, we'll see what July weather, July and August weather bring. If we're looking at good good crops above trend yield crops, um, we could be looking at large carryouts going into 2021. So that 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 could be a uh, a poorer year as well. That again, we're looking far down the way, mm-hmm. but I think you should begin to think about that 2021 as you set up cash rent decisions in this fall, because that is the year, you know, for setting up cash rents for 2021, which we will do in August, September, October. Uh, really think hard if we're looking at bids for 2021 delivering the low threes and low eights for corn and soybeans respectively i keep thinking back not that long ago to the beginning of this year when there was so much optimism we had trade deals and it looked like things were really going to turn around Uh, there was a lot of promise uh, for 2020 and now here you we are projecting you're projecting like a minus two dollars an acre for farm income for uh, corn and soybeans. Now that's things have changed dramatically in just a few months. Yes, they have. And again, we we always uh, we always get to this point where we're at the beginning of the year thinking, yeah, this might be the year, and then something has happened. It's been the trade deal the last couple of years, and this year it's COVID, and hopefully next year it'll be just a normal year, and we can get back to something that looks normal again but uh, we'll wait and see if that does happen yeah how often did we hear and how often did we say last year just get 2019 behind us can't wait to turn the page to 2020 it's bound to be better and then whoa here comes a pandemic so sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for right yeah there you go and again you know i you know we i'm not giving a bright outlook for 2021 and things can change but i think planning for a longer run lower prices probably is prudent at this point in time Mm -hmm. gary good to talk with you again i wish the news was better but thanks for giving us your perspective uh, and your outlook for farm income thank you very much you're welcome all right take care university of illinois professor dr gary schnitke so uh, not a lot of uh, good news in there for this year and perhaps into next year when it comes to farm income but as we've seen this year, things can change uh, pretty quickly. So far, they've changed uh, in a negative way. Maybe we'll get that kind of a change in a more positive direction. We'll talk about those projections and more with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton. He's next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to mike adams always good to talk with the chief economist for the american farm bureau federation john newton he joins us now john hope you're well thanks for being with us thanks a lot mike Uh, looking forward to joining you today Hey, we just talked with the university of illinois professor dr gary schnitke and his outlook for 
2020 income for corn and soybean farmers, minus $2 an acre. That's a pretty startling number, and that includes government assistance payments. Yeah, and and I think you know you look at the at the 2020 uncertainty. I think you USDA you start to craft the balance sheet. You don't know what ethanol uh, demand is going to look like. You don't know what you know our new crop yields are going to look like. We we could potentially have uh, a pretty big uh, crop on our hands. Folks have been able to get out into the fields and get a crop in the ground uh, rather quickly. Uh, you have some uncertainty on the soybean side when you think about everything that's happening with, with China. So I think we're working at American Farm Bureau to, to get more assistance. We, we'd really like to see uh, the Commodity Credit Corporation's borrowing authority uh, ratcheted up to $68 billion. Uh, that's just the inflation-adjusted number. Uh, and that will give the department uh, the, the type of financial resources they need to help producers uh, especially if we see this phase one uh, trade deal with China, it's a stumbling block. And if you do get a big crop this year, the carryover uh, will kind of put us on course, and Dr. Schnicki was talking about this, that 2021 farm income right now, looking at that scenario, doesn't look a whole lot brighter. I mean, it. it you know, where's the where's the next big demand driver going to come? Uh, for the corn industry. I think folks that have been following this market for some time have been asking that. Uh, and you, you, you think about that, uh, there's not another ethanol on the horizon. And so to, to deal with this, you need a, you need an acreage shift. Uh, we're, you know, we, we're very productive. You need a weather event, something uh, to drive those supplies down. I think we'd be in a much more uh, difficult position had we not had the weather event that we had last year uh, when, when you had you know nearly 20 million acres go on planet and file for prevent plant claims, uh, that helped to draw down stocks quite a bit. Uh, but but we could potentially have another big crop this year and maybe even next year. You know, that's an interesting point. Nobody wants a, a year like last year with the weather problems and the flooding and everything that happened. And certainly uh, that was a really tough year for a lot of, for a lot of farmers. Uh, the other side of that coin, as you pointed out, had that land been in production and we had an even bigger crop last year then we'd have even more stocks even more carryover now that than we do you're you're exactly right i mean i think when you think about a weather event like that you you, you never want it to be you uh, you know i think you know unfortunately uh you know it, it does impact uh, some folks i think luckily what what congress did uh, they came to the plate and and modified uh, the disaster assistance to include uh, the top up on prevent plant payments, so folks that didn't get a crop in the ground were el- were eligible to receive uh, some additional support. I think we're we're looking at, you know, this year, especially up in the Dakotas, folks unable to get some crops in the ground uh, might be looking at prevent plant for another year. Talking with Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton. John, now we also heard this week from Steve Meyer, economist with Kearns and Associates, that we're looking at a two million head backlog on hogs and of course we've also heard of as much as a million head on cattle uh that's going to take quite a while to work through it it certainly uh is but i think you also have to be encouraged by uh the the rather quick reversal we saw in in slaughter capacity uh last week you know we we hit the hit the low point uh, as as many of these plants were closed but I think with with the the PPP or PPE equipment uh, getting out there, uh, protecting workers, we're going to get back up to capacity. It may take some time, 
Uh, we may not get the full capacity. I think you think about, you know, the workers are going to have plexiglass in between them. They're, they're going to try at their best to practice social distancing. So we're not going to be able to run uh, at full speed like we used to, but I'm encouraged that we've turned the corner. I think as the economies and the states start to reopen, uh, you know, recovery is in sight. I think there's still a lot of damage that has been done. That's why we need additional support for the sector. Uh, but but I'm optimistic at the at the reversal that we've seen. Yeah, we're all hopeful for that rebound and how quickly it comes. As some talk about, you know, the pent up demand, it's going to be an explosion, especially maybe in the fourth quarter. Others say it's going to take much longer than that. It'll be interesting to see as the general economy uh, rebounds and improves. How does the ag economy go along with that? Because we remember coming into this crisis, the general economy was doing very well, but the ag economy was not doing so well. Right. Well, this, you know, as I think as, as the general economy starts to, to pick back up, we see uh, people get back to work, so those unemployment numbers uh, start to fall. Uh, you know, that, that is going to have a, an impact on demand. I think some of that might be priced into the market a little bit. Uh, but but the farm economy has so many other move, moving pieces to it. And and that's when I start to think about, again, this phase one deal with China. Uh, we saw what they did today with, with Hong Kong. That's likely to uh, lead to some sanctions. So I, I think the, the tensions are starting to mount uh, there and, and looking at them in, in terms of uh, their capacity to continue buying our product and meet the phase one agreement. Uh, that's going to go a long way on, on farm income. I think mean, thinking about what support we're going to have uh, for the remainder of the year will certainly help uh, farm income. Uh, but, but when you think about what recovery is, is going to look like, uh, restaurants aren't going to go back to full capacity. Uh, bars aren't going to go back to full capacity. Sporting events are not going to go back to full capacity. So it still could be a slow recovery for agriculture. Let's look at the dairy sector. I know you watch that very closely. What do you see as an outlook there? Well, you know, President Duvall, we had a call with our State Farm Bureau a couple of weeks ago, and, and he said, look, we've, we've got a second opportunity here uh, for dairy farmers to get some risk management uh, in place. Uh, you, you've seen the, the June Class 3 uh, futures contract. Uh, I mean, it's back to where it was uh, pr- before the coronavirus. And so uh, there were folks kicking themselves that they didn't put risk management in place before this happened. Uh, you've got a second opportunity, and, and I would encourage folks to, to do that. Uh, maybe things continue to get better, but, uh, you know, if, if there's an, another wave of this, I don't think we'll, we'll see uh, stay-at-home orders and shutting down the economy again. But if, if there is a second wave, uh, what that could do to, you know, uncertainty uh, in, the, in the macro economy, uncertainty in demand, uh, you shouldn't take, take that for, for granted. And so, you know, put a risk management plan in place, use dairy revenue protection, uh, dairy revenue, dairyrp.com, uh, use futures, use options, uh, do everything you can to take advantage of this, this swing upwards that we've seen in prices. John, you talked about the need for more government assistance for agriculture. Uh, have you put the, any details to that as far as amount or form or anything like that? You know, we, we, we haven't come out with an official estimate on, on you know, total amounts, but you can look at, at what other, other trade groups have. I think the cattle folks said their damages were, were $13 billion. You can look at USDA's World Ag Supply and Demand Estimates. Uh, look at the value change uh, for certain commodities this year and next year. 
I mean, and I had a conversation with Seth Meyer at University of Missouri Fapri, and he said uh, their numbers suggest a 40 to $50 billion decline in cash receipts this year not including the impact of next year when we're talking about $3.20 corn, as Gary Snicky pointed out. So I think that the damages uh, in the tens of billions of dollars for, for this year and next year, that's why more support is needed. So we'll see what Congress uh, decides there. Meanwhile, uh, assistance just now starting to go out in the in the CFAP program and, and other programs that are that are out there. But we see how quickly in this case, $16 billion or $19 billion, how quickly that goes and how thinly it gets stretched because the need is so great. You're exactly right. I think USDA's cost-benefit analysis shows that that $16 billion being spread, in, uh, 4.4 to cattle, uh, about 3 to dairy, a little more than 2 to specialty crops, uh, 1.5 to 1.8, I think, for corn, uh, $400 million for cotton, $700 million for soybeans, uh, it does stretch uh, pretty thin, uh, and so I think, especially on the livestock side, you're going to see folks hit that payment cap pretty quickly uh, based on the scale of some of those livestock operations. We've crunched the numbers on on the non-specialty crop side. Uh, you know, you, you've got to have a lot of unpriced corn, soybeans, wheat, uh, cotton to, to hit that payment limit, but there are some folks out there that are certainly that size and scale. And others, other commodities that aren't included now in CFAP that are hoping to get in? You know, I think the, the loudest voice out there on, on folks being left out of this uh, is the poultry producers, and especially those independent uh, poultry producers. They're, they're, I think USDA recognizes that. USDA, we had a call with them uh, last week. Uh, you know, President Duvall was with the secretary, and I think what they told President Duvall and they told many of the state farm bureaus is, is we want to know where the holes are. We want to know what commodities we missed. Uh, there's a notice of funds availability so you can work with your FSA folks to try to get assistance. Uh, but I think what we saw in the HEROES Act modified the CCC authority uh, to, to let it provide uh, assistance for depopulating animals. We saw what Iowa's done on, on helping those producers that had to depop hogs. Uh, so so the, the HEROES Act has some good things in it that, that we like. I think there's some other things in it that, that are probably a little bit more concerning uh, in the HEROES Act. The de facto uh, conservation reserve program expansion is, is one of those concerning items, but, but hopefully we can work in the upper chamber to get something we need. John, as always, thanks for being with us. Uh, take care. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, Plans are still underway for this year's Farm Progress Show, scheduled for September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Boone, Iowa. We'll get an update on those plans next here on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. This year's Farm Progress Show, scheduled for September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Boone, Iowa. Let's find out how plans are going and if everything's still on schedule. Matt Youngman, National Show's Director for Farm Progress, joins us. Matt, good to talk with you again. Everything still go? Oop, we may have lost Matt. We'll try again to get him to make sure things are still 
on schedule for this year's Farm Progress Show. And we'll also ask him about Husker Harvest Days, Grand Island, Nebraska. That is coming up September 15th, 16th, and 17th. So we'll reconnect with Matt and find out how things are going in these uncertain times for planning events with large crowds and if they're having to make any changes or adjustments uh, as they get ready. So Matt, I think, is back with us now. Matt, uh, are you still on schedule for this year's Farm Progress Show? We are still on schedule, Mike. Sorry about that little technological glitch there. We are still on schedule. Uh, it's it's uh, kind of nice to, to see wake up this morning and see that Disney's planning on opening up. Las Vegas is opening up June 4th. You know, you're starting to see some of these places where people gather start to uh, come out with, with their plans to, to open up. And, and we've been working really hard. Obviously, it's it won't be exactly the same Farm Progress show that anybody's seen before. There will be some adjustments in, in, in how we run our operations. But, but you know, we're, we're, we're charging ahead with, with all the plans for Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. All right, so what adjustments might you have to make? Would you require a mask? How, how do you social distance? Because even though you're out on a field, you're still pretty close together in, in some cases. So how, how would you do that? Yeah, so, so we, we, we don't have our final, our final, final rules. Um, we, we did a pretty extensive survey of the growers. Uh, within a certain drive time around Boone and around Grand Island, Nebraska, and kind of got their pulse on it. And realistically, the farmers are as confident as anybody. You know, the numbers that we're getting back, you're going to see a press release coming out here in a couple days that that, that, that the farmers are really excited about going to the Farm Progress Show, numbers that are even better than what we saw after the 16 and 18 Farm Progress Shows in Boone. Um, The things that we're focusing on are exactly what you mentioned. There are places where people congregate, you know, whether you talk about maybe the admission points, food service, field demonstrations, inside some of the exhibits, you know, there, there are places on the show site where um, there are typically a lot of people all in one place. And those are the areas that we're focusing on. How do we create that social distancing? How do we make sure that the exhibit field and the various industry tents and, and the beer garden and places like that are organized and structured so that if folks can uh, can can get enough room between their their groups, you know, people typically don't come one at a time to the Farm Progress Show. Usually, it's a pickup truck full, and so we're looking at those those individual pods of people and and how do they get through and enjoy the show and, and still maintain difference from uh, a distance from from the other people. So. You know, even your media tent, we're, we're working on that because that's a place where people at press conferences are, are close together. So um, the event itself, walking through the, the John Deere exhibit or the Case IH exhibit or one of those kind of places, it's fairly, easily to, fairly easy to social distance there. Uh, it's, the focus is on the places where people congregate. I'm thinking about even standing in line to get in. Those lines, especially when you first open, can be kind of long. Uh, if you distance those out, that could make it a, what, a little slower getting everybody in, but at least you could get them in if you, uh, if you did that. So are you looking even at uh, things like that, how they come into the show? That, that, that is exactly right. And if you look at it, we know exactly how many lanes we have to have to get everybody in. So it's, realistically, it's just a matter of putting up a tent that's twice as big as what we've normally put up for each of the admission points. And, and, you know, fortunately we're not wall bound. We're not, we're not restricted in terms of footprint. We've got 
640 acres there to play with. So if that means that tents have to be bigger to get the same thing accomplished, that's exactly what we're going to do. You know, if you think about those admission points, if you just if you just made the tent bigger and put six feet between all the aisles of people coming in, that that fixes it. And then you go back from that and create six foot you know stopping points like you would have at a grocery store. You know, if you have your thing marked on the ground. You know, th- things like that. It's 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 a it's a challenge and it's it creates a logistics problem for us to solve and it means we're going to start building the exhibit field and the, the the components of the show earlier, but it's it's not insurmountable and yeah. we're just you know it, it we're just not going to throw up our hands and say we're not doing it we're going to we're going to make the changes we need to make so that we can we can put on the show for the for, for the farmers because realistically the industry kind of needs it I mean the the, the yeah. it, there hasn't been a trade show in the U.S. since Con Expo closed in March. And there's no reason that the Farm Progress Show shouldn't be the first major trade show back in business post-COVID. Yep. And I think there'll be a pent-up demand to be there, that's for sure. Real quick, how do crops look in the Boone, Iowa area and the Grand Island, Nebraska area? Everything I'm hearing is great. I haven't been able to go because I've been sheltered at home here in Illinois, but everything I'm seeing from cell phone pictures to, to reports from host farmers is that everything is on pace all looks fantastic um alfalfa in the parking lot looks wonderful i've been getting plenty of rain on that so we're uh we're in as good a shape at the end of may as we can be for a farm progress show or husker harvest days all right so we'll stay in touch matt and we'll look forward to getting more information from you but it sounds like uh, uh plans are on you're making the adjustments and working things out to be able to have farm progress september 1st 2nd and 3rd in boone iowa Husker Harvest Days, September 15th, 16th, and 17th in Grand Island, Nebraska. Thanks for the update, Matt, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate you. All right, take care. National Shows Director for Farm Progress, Matt Youngman. So they, as you heard him say, they are making plans for a, basically a socially distanced Farm Progress show come September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Boone, Iowa. There'll be some adjustments and some things different, but they're planning on the show going on as scheduled. We'll keep you up to date. Coming up tomorrow, we will take a look at this ongoing battle over small refinery exemptions to the RFS, and we're going to focus on the state of Missouri, the impact of COVID-19, and how Missouri agriculture is responding. That and more coming tomorrow. Stay safe, everyone. Join us on AOA. AOA.